Hey everybody, we're here on set today getting ready for our most popular series of the year at the movies. And we just want to invite you. All throughout the scriptures, Jesus would tell culturally relevant stories to show a redemptive truth. They were called parables, and that's what we're attempting to do in this series. That's right. We're going to use a movie as a modern day parable. So we'll show you pieces of a movie, and then we'll share some spiritual perspectives that will challenge your outlook, and we believe also have the power to change your life. And not only is At The Movies our most popular series of the year, but it's also the greatest opportunity all year long to bring somebody to church with you. So we've got the Coke and the popcorn and the candy and all sorts of goodies that we're giving away. You can even watch our At The Movie services live online or you can join us in person at 9.30 or 11.30 a.m. And consider this your invitation to join us this year for At The Movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's coming. Y'all ready for it? A couple weeks away, and I uh, want you to bring somebody to church with you at least one of those four weekends. It is our biggest evangelism series of the year, so I tell our church this all the time, that if you don't like it, I don't really care, because uh, it's not for you. Uh, it's for people who are far from God. And uh, before we do anything else, I want to look at the camera and say a big hello to all those that are watching online today. Come on, Heartland family, help me welcome them to church today. Man. We're so thankful to have each and every one of you here with us, especially if this is your first time. We just want you to know you're new family to us. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us today. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't take just a second to welcome a really cool class that's hanging out with us, creating intimacy and respect. Uh, so thankful for you guys. For those who don't know, uh, Dave and Amy Ensming are members of our church and uh, have a ministry dedicated to helping uh, married couples and committed couples. And so... Uh, these are some married couples and committed couples that are here today that are working on their relationship, and they've been doing that all weekend, and I'm so proud of you guys for investing in yourselves. Uh, that's such a powerful thing. Uh, a couple of quick things I mentioned at the movies, but I do want to give you this really quickly uh, for all the planners in the room. You just were overcome with joy uh, as I put this up here today, but this is just a, kind of a, a flow of our December, just so that you know what's happening around here as we get into the holidays. I've already started getting questions on uh, Christmas and what that's going to look like, so I'll roll through that here in just a second, but I'll put all this up here and just mention a couple of key things. Number one, uh, Giving Hope is uh, the 17th of December this year. It's one of our biggest uh, outreaches that we do all year long, and I'm so excited about it. Let me tell you how we're doing Christmas this year. We'll have three services uh, on Christmas weekend on Friday night and then two on Saturday, and uh, we will not do any services on Sunday. We'll let you have that time. We are doing services over the weekend. We'll do three of them. We just won't do them on Christmas Day, all right? And then every year, I personally like to do what we call a Sabbath Sunday. It's an opportunity for me to give all of our Dream Teamers just a rest, just to be with family, and they're not going to have a rest on Christmas weekend because they're going to be serving all weekend long. Uh, so what we decided to do is we're going on New Year's Day, we're going online only, okay, on New Year's Day. I've actually already filmed this message, uh, and I think it's a good one. I think it's, it's going to help you a lot, uh, but it's something you can watch from home as you're getting ready for college football and all the things uh, that you're planning to do that day. Uh, and uh, just to let you know, it's not on the screen, but we will, uh, as a result of this, do a first Wednesday the first Wednesday of January, okay? We typically don't do that, but we will this year. So that kind of shows you a little bit about what's going on. If you want to take a picture, you can do that, I guess, later online or now. This is your chance, three, two, one. Okay, it's gone, all right? Uh, if you have your Bibles today, I want you to go to Philippians 4 with me today. And uh, I'll just read a couple of scriptures to you, and then I'll share with you what we're going to talk about today. It says this in Philippians 4. It says, as you know, you Philippians were... The only ones, come on, everybody say only ones. You're the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. You were the only ones that helped me. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help uh, more than, than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. One translation says, I, I want this to be credited to your account. And I love Paul's attitude here. I'll talk about this in a little while. But he's like, I don't, I don't need anything from you. I'm good. <laughs> but you need it. And he goes on to say this in, uh, in Philippians. He says, at the moment, I have all that I need and more. How many are thankful for living that kind of a life? 
I'm generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with, my friend. They are a sweet (laughs) smelling sacrifice. They're a sweet smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to the Lord. Today I want to do a message called When We Give. And um, I want to talk about giving today. It's been since uh, May of 2021 that I actually did a message that wasn't legacy related on giving. Uh, I've almost never talked about it. Uh, but since I've talked about every other hard subject over the last five or six weeks, I just thought, why not just do this one too? You know, we'll just go for it before we get into at the movies. And uh, so I want to talk about this today. And before I, I, I get too far into this, I want to inform you of something today. And I'm not, and, and that's this, that I'm not teaching on this today because we have a need. And, and I want you to know that part of that is because of you. Many of you support this church so faithfully through your giving, and I just want to say that I'm so thankful for that. I think we should clap our hands. I'm so thankful for you as a church. We do not need uh, today's giving to survive as a church. This church gives so generously, and part of that is because of you. The other part is because of us. Um, Because we try to live as good stewards of your giving. And not to pat on our, ourselves on the back here, but we do. My goal every year is to budget on 90% of the previous year's income. And this year, we budgeted on 84%. Uh, so we have that 16%, you know, that supposedly would be coming in from last year. What do we do with that? Well, we respond all year long to needs. And... It is so awesome to be able to respond to need after need after need and just to be able to say yes. Uh, And so I want you to know we're paying our bills, like we're meeting our budget, you're helping us stay on course. This message isn't about any of that, okay? This message, I want to get some truth from God's word into your heart about giving and my, my attitude on this is I'm always thinking about the people who are hypersensitive to this topic because some of you were around a church or you were raised or you've just watched the news uh, and you have come to believe that there is a stigma that exists or there is a stigma around churches and money. And I want to try to help you today, but at the same time, I want to challenge you too. And I think many of you, if you call me your pastor, you know this by now, I'm always going to tell you the honest to God truth, and I'm going to talk about things that are not always easy, because I believe that when I talk about those things, it helps you. Amen, everybody? So I love this in this scripture that Paul says that this is, that giving is a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. That's so amazing. Philippians 4, this last passage, and it says this, And the same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs. How many of you are thankful for that, that you have a God that supplies all your needs here today? From his glorious riches, which has been given to us in Christ Jesus, now all glory to God, our Father, forever and ever. Amen. So, just it's, it's a really simple thought, really, but I want to talk about this morning, this, this thought. What happens when I give. So I want you to write these down and listen to me as your pastor just talk about this for a few minutes. When I give, when I give, number one, I join the few. I join the few. Philippians 4 shows us something powerful. Paul says, hey, Philippians, I need to tell you today, I'm writing you this letter. You're the only ones who gave. I've been preaching. I've been planting churches. I've been healing the sick. I've been, you know, doing all these things. Think about all the things that Paul did in his ministry. And he says, you're, you're the only ones who gave. And that comforts me because that means the anointing of God can still be on something and that alone still won't stir people to give. Uh, and, and that's important because a lot of people received the good news. But Paul says, but you're the only ones that gave when you received. And what I want you to know is that something happens when people in a community of believers decide and make a decision, we want to be one of the few. That we're not just going to sit back and we're not just going to receive. 
and watch, but that we're gonna be a part of the message of the gospel. I mean, I mean, think about it for a second. They were the only ones who gave. Let me let, me let you on a little secret, okay? Some of you, maybe you're new to this church. Let me, let me teach you how this thing works, okay? There's no government grant. I don't have a rich uncle. There's no multimillionaire that keeps this thing going. The way that Heartland Church works is that faithful Regular people, like you and like me, give. They give their time. They give of their resources. They give of the gifts that God has given them. And it provides for ministry. <laughs> it doesn't happen through a rich uncle, although I wish I, I had one. <laughs> There's no government grant. How many people know nothing's free anyway? It happens through weekly giving of people who give Tithes and offerings from, from God's people. That's how it happens. And Paul says, you're the only one. You're the only church to partner with me in this ministry of giving. I'll just say this. It was rare then, and it's rare now. Did you know that only 3% of Americans who claim to be Christians actually tithe? The average amount a Christian gives out of their yearly income is 3%. Generosity has always been challenging. And the reason it's challenging is because it is directly connected to our heart. That's why it's so quiet in here right now. <laughs> Some of y'all were just singing like, what he's done, what he's done. All of a sudden we start talking like this and it's like crickets, you know what I mean? Some of y'all brought your friend, and you were like, yeah, isn't this awesome? I told you this church is awesome. I started talking about this, and now you're like, I'm so sorry. I'm just, I apologize. <laughs> we get uncomfortable because money is so connected to our, it's connected to us. It's connected to our hearts, our souls, our spirits, the heart of who we are. Matthew 6 says this in the Amplified, for where your treasure is, there your heart I love how it adds this, your wishes, your desires, that on which your life centers, your, your heart will be also. That's, that's usually why the things that you love most are the things that you spend the most money on. What Jesus is saying, and, 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 and this seems so simple, I'm going to tell you here today, it's not. Your treasure doesn't follow your heart. Your heart follows your treasure. Your heart follows after the things that you want the most, that you dream about the most, that you think about the most, that you want. If I saw your bank account right now, I'd see the things that you think about the most, you dream about the most, you want the most. So over the last several weeks, we've talked a lot about the kingdom of God for five weeks and how we have to make the kingdom of God the center of our lives. Can I just, can I tell you something real quick? You want to know how to make the kingdom of your life the most important thing in your life? You want to fall in love with Jesus? Let me, t let me tell you how. Support the kingdom with your giving and with your serving and with your gifts and win your time. Support it. Because listen, here's the principle. Whatever you invest in a lot, your heart will start to follow that thing. It's crazy, but it's true. Imagine if I did a message and I said today, I said, who, who, who wants to love Jesus more? You know, in this room, everybody, everybody raised their hands. Jesus would say, okay, well, check your giving. Check your time, your time spent. Check your serving. Check your investment. Why? Because your heart follows your treasure. So if your heart follows your treasure, then your giving should show evidence of that. My heart is committed to the three girls in my life that are the best, Kendra, Jaden, and Brooklyn. And interestingly enough, I'm in for a whole lot of money with those three too. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like what you're investing in, you care about. Like, like let's just be honest. Like I'm, I'm happy about your car. But I care about my car, you know? 
You get in a wreck, you're like, oh, I got in a wreck. I'm like, oh, man, that's so terrible. I'm so sorry. You know, is your car okay? It's no, it's not okay. Oh, I hate that. I get in a wreck. I'm like, oh, my car. Oh, Jesus, help me. You know what I mean? The core of who I am is following my treasure. That's when we, when we, why when we talk about this, it's kind of weird for some people. There's some people here, and it's weird for you. But I want you to understand something. There's some people here that are hearing this today, and it's not weird for them at all. This isn't weird. Because their hearts have been invested, and their treasure has been invested in the kingdom of God for years. And so it's just not weird for them. It's part of their life. This isn't weird for me. You know why? Because my treasure is committed to the kingdom. So it's become second nature in my life. So when I talk about my, my money and, and my time and my talent supporting the kingdom, it's not a question for me. It's just, it's just normal. So if it is weird for you, what I want you to do is I want you to lean into that for just a moment because I'm actually challenging you in a healthy way the same way that Jesus would challenge you over this. Where's your treasure? Now, I'm going to show you something. John the Baptist, you guys know him, New Testament, always preaching repentance in Luke 3, okay? Preaching about repentance, you know, and and prepare the way of the Lord and water baptism. And so as they're starting to repent and as they're starting to come to Christ, they start asking him this question. And the question is this, what do we do? Like, since we're now going to, like, follow God and we're going to give our lives, you know, like, what do we do? What is our life supposed to look like? Like practically speaking, and I want you to see what he says to them in Luke 3. The crowds asked, what should we do? And John replied, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors. So tax collectors started like getting saved. What do we do? What do we do? They were asking, what should we do? He replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do? Some of the soldiers are like coming to the Lord now. John replied, don't extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. Now I want you to notice this. They asked this question, what does repentance and a life living for God look like? And John basically talks about two things. You treat people differently and you treat money differently. That's it. How do I know that I'm starting to live a life that's changed for God. I treat people differently and I treat money differently. I'm more generous with my love. I'm more generous with my relationships. I'm more generous with my forgiveness. I'm I'm more generous financially. And here's what I found. Most people wanting to be more like God are kind of okay with doing the first one. But really struggle with the second one. But your new walk with God should immediately manifest in treating people differently and in how you invest your money. Philippians says this, as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news. So let me, let me make sure this is clear. We do not give to get salvation. But we do give to thank God for salvation. I give because I have been saved and I give for more opportunities for others to be saved. How many people know the gospel's free, everybody? It's free to you. I mean, it costs Jesus something great, but it's free. But I want to be honest, everything else isn't free. Somebody's paying for it. The toilet paper you use today, somebody paid for it, everybody. The lighting, the heating, the air, the paper. And, and all that is because somebody gave because they said, God has done so much in my life. And I am so rich, and I give because I want that to happen in the lives of others too. We see this in other passages in in the scripture. Luke 19, a man named Zacchaeus. Anybody remember that song? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Yeah, we got a couple church kids that grew up on goldfish and Kool-Aid. Yeah. Zacchaeus has an experience with Jesus changes his life. It's a transformational moment in his life. And I want you to see his response to the gospel. I want you to see his response to an immediate new life that God gives him. In Luke 19, he says this. He says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. 
So check this out. Zacchaeus gets saved and immediately becomes more generous. Can I just give you a personal thought here? I I think money had a stronghold on his heart. And I think Zacchaeus realized it. And I think he said right there in that moment, I've got to change. I got to stop being cheap. I got to stop blessing myself. I got to start blessing others. And he wanted to show everyone around him, my heart has been changed. And, and out of my heart being changed, I want to be generous. I'm not buying anything from God, but God is changing my life. And when I give, I become part of the few. Amen, everybody? Here's the second thing, that when I give, I remind myself of God's goodness. I remind myself of God's goodness. I want to show you this in Philippians 4. We just read it. I don't say this because I want to give from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward from your kindness. So, this verse, when I read it this week, I started thinking about this. I grew, up, I grew up in church. And so I've heard lots of messages throughout my life on money. Um, and so sometimes I would hear preachers say this statement. And this was the statement. I'm not preaching this today because I need something from you. I'm preaching this because you need this. I don't need this today. You need this. And I remember when I was young, I would hear that and I would say, that is crap. That's what I would think to myself. That is not true. This is what I, and I'm, I'm honestly a suspicious person by nature. So I would just be sitting there and think, that's just not true. You're preaching this because you need it. And the church needs it. That's okay. This is in my head. This is what I think. That's okay. Just say it. Don't act like, oh, I need this. But can I tell you something? I didn't know the scripture. I was making an assumption. See, the reason that pastors teach this is because that's what Paul taught. He's the one who taught this. Paul says this. Paul's like, I, I don't want you to give because I need it. I, need, I want you to receive. I want you to receive. And, and the Philippians, honestly, they would have been thinking, why would we give you an offering right now? You're in prison while you're writing this. Dusty, honestly, why would we give right now? It's, it seems like everything's okay. Which, by the way, we always have more vision than we have provision for. But Paul says, God's going to take care of me. <laughs> this is something that God wants to do in you. And if it can get in you, it's going to change you. Yeah. And I be- can I tell you this? I believe that wholeheartedly. Can I just tell you this? That if a billionaire big bucks walked into this room today and he said, from now on, I am funding the, this church, every single thing that they want to do, you know, from now into perpetuity, I'd say thank you. I'd check to see if... The check cleared. (laughs) And you know what I would do the next week? We would still talk about giving offerings and tithes. Because it's not about Heartland Church. Generosity is the transformational work of God that he does in me. And it is the way that God provides for me. Paul says, I don't need your money. But you need to give Because it's going to do something in your heart. And this is what he's saying to him. He's just being really clear. This is how the kingdom works. Giving gets your heart aligned with God's kingdom and you receive. Sowing always brings reaping. Always. Obedience always brings blessing. Peanut butter always goes with jelly. Come on, butter and grits. Cake and ice cream. Chips and salsa. I'm getting a clap on chips and salsa. I know I'm in Texas. When you give, you receive. It's credited to your account spiritually. And spiritually, you're storing up treasure in heaven. But what if every time that you gave, you didn't think about bigger cars or bigger houses. Or, but you started thinking about this, that every time I give, I'm actually making a deposit into my heavenly bank account. What if you started thinking that way? That this gift, this, this gift ain't going towards my 401k, which is losing money right now anyway. This is going to my eternal account, that you will receive a reward for your kindness because God is generous. Come on, everybody. God is kind. 
What kind of reward is he going to give me? Since 2019 in this church, 1,193 people have given their lives to Jesus. Come on and clap your hands and thank God for that. Who gets rewarded when that happens? Can I tell you who gets rewarded? Every giver. Every person who is sown into his house. Matthew 10 says this, whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. To which some people think, I don't even know what that means. What the heck does that mean? Here's what it means. When you support a pastor or a prophet or you support a church, you become part of the reward. You become part of what God's doing. In my life, I've had the opportunity, the honor, to be able to lead hundreds of people to Jesus. And when I get to heaven, I won't be surprised when I get to meet and talk to some of these people. But can I say this? What will surprise you will be the people that walk past me and walk up to you and thank you because you partnered and it went into your heavenly account. Now, this is so hard for some people because, like I said, I'm a motives questioner. I'm trying to figure out what's he saying right now that he's not saying. So let me just be real clear about something today. After this message today, no buckets are going to be passed. We don't take any special offerings all year long. We take one in December called the Legacy Offering, which I'll talk about next week. This, this whole message is trying to help you. And, and here's what I want you to understand. This is probably, probably the most revelatory thing that God taught me this week. Okay, From the start of creation, God was a giver, and the enemy has tried to convince people that God and his church are takers. So in Genesis 3, God creates this massive garden, right? And he gives it to Adam, and he gives it to Eve, and he says this, all this is yours. I created it, and I'm giving it all to you, except for one tree. Giving, I just don't eat from that tree. Everything else is yours. And Satan showed up, and he said, Look at what God's trying to do. Look at what God's God is withholding from you. He wants to keep from you. He wants to take from you. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And can I just tell you something today? The lie has been the same since that time. God is a taker and God is withholding. Somebody said, well, why would, why would God do that? Why would he put one tree in the garden? Why would he create this whole big garden and then put one tree? These are the same people that if you clean their entire house for free, they'd be like, you didn't put the dustpan back in the right place. You know what I mean? Listen, 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 listen. God gave them everything in the garden. Was everything in the garden his? Yes. But not eating from the one tree was their way of honoring God for all of the other trees. See, let me teach you something. We freak out about the tithe. How could God ask for 10%? Well, he could have asked for 90%. But check this. The reason that I give the 10% is because I'm saying this 10% is your tree in a big garden. You gave me it all, but I'm not touching this. It's actually the same command he gave Adam and Eve when he said, the garden is yours, but this one tree is mine. And here's what the Lord spoke to me this week. Every time we take the tithe from God and don't give it to God, but use it for ourselves, we actually model the behavior of our first parents when God gave them the whole garden and they chose to eat from the one tree. When you give, God isn't getting something from you. When you give, you are showing God that he is God. So every month, Kendra and I are paid and we give our tithe. Some of you say, well, Dusty, you don't know where I've been and you don't know the things I've been through and I need that money that I would tithe to be able to live. Well, I, here's what I want you to know. I, I was thinking about this week. I, so I had a second job from the time I was 22 until I was 36. And the amount that I made on the second job was the amount that I tithed 
every month. Now think about this for just a second. It wasn't easy, it was hard. To which some people would say, well, why didn't you just use the tithe so that you didn't have to get a second job? And what I would say to those people is, you don't get it. Because that's not my money. That's the reason. It's not mine. I got the second job because I needed it to live. That's God's. Tithing gets a whole lot easier whenever you realize that every time you spend money, that, that money, you're spending money that's not yours. So like Kendra wants a couch right now. I told her we have to save. She doesn't say, well, you know, if we didn't tithe for three months, you know, we could actually get that couch right now. She doesn't say that because she doesn't think to herself, well, that's my money. She is not even a question. So, so tithing actually becomes a whole lot easier when you live in the reality of whose money you have. And so we just made a decision in our home that we, we weren't going to be the people who God gives a garden and we eat from the tree. And I'll just be honest with you, over the past 14 years of our marriage, living our life, well, we've been married 17 years, but over these last 14 years where I had these, these two jobs, I honestly think like somewhere along the way we passed a test in our lives. Every year that we've been the pastors here, our finances have increased at HC. And I believe that as leaders, it's because we showed God, you can trust us with money. Generosity is God's way of doing a work in my heart so that he can trust me to get finances through me. That's who he's looking for. He's looking for vessels that he can bless and sow and equip and serve and build others. He's looking for vessels that he can do that through. And every time that I give, I remind myself of God's goodness in my family. All of this, God, is yours. All of the garden that I have is yours. You have it all. But I'm not touching that because it's my way of reminding me who you are in my life. And so Paul says, because of this, I don't want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. So full disclosure, this past Thursday, I was preparing for this message, and uh, I just, I shot Kelsey a text. I said, Kelsey, can you tell me how much, since we became the pastors, you know, at the beginning of, of uh, 2020, 2019, how much have we given to missions in our church? So local missions, national missions, international missions. Like, I, I was just wanting to know that for my own heart as a lead pastor and like, God, are we being good stewards? And she sent me back the number $513,000, $513,000 we've given in about two and a half years, a little under three years. Praise God for that. And so I, I want you to know, like I personally, I'm proud of our church. You know, we budget that, we plan that, but you give that, I'm so grateful. And so I'm sitting there in my office, and I wanted to share that number with you. And I've not told anybody this, not a soul, uh, what I'm about to tell you. And I, I heard the Lord speak to me as clear as crystal. And I heard him say, I want you to give more this year. And I said, okay, how much more? And do you want us to budget that? And he said, no, I just want you to give it out of Heartland Savings. I want you to give it generously and freely. And so this December, you already give in our legacy, but the, the, the amount that the Lord spoke to me is another $100,000. So we're just going to give $100,000 to 10 ministries this December. But let me tell you what it is. It's no different than you sitting in your seat right now and God saying, out of your savings, I want you to give this. It's no different. And when the Lord said that, I was like, ah. But I, I just felt him speak to me so clearly and say, we, we got to model this as a church. We have to teach our church that as they give, we as a church will continue to give as well. We will continue to, to push money through this church into all of these missionaries and into people and into our community and in you know, everywhere that there's a need that we can sow needs. And so I'm so thankful. And Kelsey just found that out. She may be breaking out in hives right now. I don't know. But, <laughs> but 
I, I, just, I just know that God's going to continue to bless us so that he can give money through us, everybody. Here's the last thing. When I give, I expect provision. Now, verse 17 is all about provision spiritually. But when it gets to verse 19, now it becomes all about earthly provision. Let me read this to you. This is Philippians 4.19. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches which has been given to us in Christ Jesus. Here's what Paul could do. He could boldly, with boldness, say, God's going to take care of you because he's taking care of me. He's provided for me and he's going to take care of you. God has been faithful to me. Come on. He's going to be faithful to you. And with total confidence, Paul could tell his church, with total confidence, and I want to tell you today, with absolute total confidence, every time I pray for people in our church who need jobs or believing God for whatever it is that they're believing for, I'm telling you, when I pray, I have zero doubt in my mind that God will reward and that God will bless and that he will bring it about. I'm here to tell you today, God has been good to me. I I have never had a situation in my life where God did not provide. He has always been so faithful. But from the time I was 15 years old, we have been faithful to God. We, and, and I look around at my life today, Kendra, man, we are so blessed. We're surrounded by so many incredible people. We, we have such an incredible team. We have such an incredible church, such an incredible family. I'm going to tell you something. We gave our way to where we are today. And because we gave faithfully, God has given. And we have received faithfully, relationally, spiritually, emotionally, in every way we have received. And because we have made a decision in our lives, we are going to live with open hands, trusting God. All this is yours. I'm just trusting you with it all. And listen to me, the same God that provided for us, he says, will supply all of your needs. That word supply in the Greek, it's the word playro in the Greek. Playro means this, to make full or complete. He has made us full. Listen, the same God who takes care of me will make you full and make you complete in every way. He is going to meet every need you have. And I'm here to tell you today, every time Kendra and I have ever had a need in our life, he has supplied our need. Supplying, what does supplying mean? It means giving or it means to give what you need. I'm not talking about being millionaires here. Come on, I drive a, I drive a 2017 Nissan Altima with 117,000 miles on it. And it's the best kind of car there is because it's a paid off car. Anybody know what I'm talking about right now? Come on, somebody. My needs are supplied. When I, when I read this, that he'll supply all of your needs, you know what I think about? I think about you pulling into a gas station and being on empty and totally topping off your car and then driving out of the gas station. He'll fill your life. You won't have to be worrying, living your life, worrying about stuff all the time. Does, does that mean that there's not going to be moments where it's like, oh, I'm telling you, there have been moments like that for oh. But he'll come through, everybody. Let me tell you what, let me teach you what provision is. Provision is this. I have all that I need and more than enough to be a blessing. I have all that I need and more than I need to be a blessing. See, this is what I believe about Christians. I don't believe God just wants to give you everything that you need. Because he wants you to be a vessel. So he actually gives you more than you need. But if you live off of the more than you need, I think that offends God's heart. And I think he blesses Christians so that we can live and bless and give and serve out of the more than we need kind of place. Filled to capacity. 
When we are generous, it is an invitation for God to become the supplier of all that we have or need. I'll close with this today. This is Matthew 6. This verse hit me like a ton of bricks this week. Matthew 6 says this, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Now, we've talked a lot about the kingdom of God the last five or six weeks. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. You want to serve the kingdom of God? Seek it. Give to it. Support it. Love it. Fight for it. Invest in it. So, so this entire sub-passage in Matthew, if you go up, Matthew, I think it's uh, chapter 6, uh, verse 19 through 34. It's a sub-passage, and the whole passage talks about money and about things. That's what the whole passage is about. And it is so powerful. This, this is how it goes. If you live your li- or give your life and your generosity and your time to the kingdom, every single one of the needs that you have, God will supply it. So let me, let me say it this way. When you seek things, you will always miss the kingdom. But when you seek the kingdom, things just have a way of finding you. They just find you. I'm not against things. Come on, I like things. Especially shoes things and golf things. But I'm not seeking things. I'm living for the kingdom. And because I seek the kingdom, Psalm 23, goodness and mercy, oh, come on, they just have a way of following me all the days of my life. Like, they, I can't even believe it. I just turn around and goodness is next to me. I look to the side of me and mercy's behind me. As I'm seeking first the kingdom, come on. And I can preach it today, you know why? Because I've lived it day after day after day, month after month after month after month, year after year after year after year. The same God will supply every single one of your needs according to his glorious riches. Somebody says, is this a prosperity gospel? Is that what this is? No, 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 no. There's a big difference between what I'm talking about right now. Listen to me. The prosperity gospel is this. I want to give so I can get. Come on, if you give today, God's going to give you a new car. And he's going to give you a new house. And come on, who wants, who wants a new uh, Gucci watch? You know, like, I don't even know if Gucci makes a watch. But <laughs> here's the kingdom mentality. I want to give so that I can give again. I want to give so that God gives back to me, so that I can give again. I give so that I can receive, so that I can give again. I give so that I can receive, so that I can give again. I give, and it just keeps going on and on and on and on and on. Isn't that great? Come on and clap your hands today all over this room. So it's like, well, what do you want me to do with this, Dusty? Here's what I want you to do with it. Over the rest of this year, I want you to ask, Holy Spirit, Is there anything in my life that you want me to change? Don't ask me. Ask the Holy Spirit. And if he says nothing, do nothing. You know what I mean? And I'm here to tell you, there's not going to be any pressure. There's no phone calls. There's no one-on-one interrogations. We're not sending you a, a statement of envelopes in the mail after this. This is between you and the Holy Spirit. And you have to pray. I love this, this saying, pray and obey. Pray and obey. If he talks to you, listen and do what he says. Don't do it because of this message. Do it because the word of God is convicting your heart and talking to your heart. And you know that, God, you're doing a work in me. I'm just here to tell you today, if you're in this room, I know this sounds insane. But if you're in this room right now and you're struggling, I want you to ask yourself the question, God, am I, am I robbing you? That's what... That's what Malachi says, will a man rob God? And ask that question seriously. Like, it's a legitimate question. We don't like to talk about it because it sounds so judgy. You know what I mean? Like, but I'm here to tell you today, when you put him first, he blesses the rest. Pastor Sherry Ferris, one of the most influential people in my life. So I was growing up. This is what she taught me. She would take me into her office. And she knew, she knew my salary and she knew our situation and she, There'd be situations where I'd be working a second job and she would look at me and she'd point her finger right at me and she said, Dusty, keep giving to God. 
Pastor Sherry, it's hard. I know it's hard, Dusty, but you keep giving to God. Listen to me. You would rather have God's blessing on your 90% than you having the whole 100% by yourself. And I'm just a testimony of that today. Will you bow your heads with me today? Mikey's going to come and close the service in a moment, but I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice. This teaching today... If I can just be honest with you, God, it is such a hard topic. It's for many people. Some people even here today, they find themselves in the midst of a hard situation. Maybe for whatever reason, a failed marriage or you know, difficulties with their health. They, they really feel strained in their lives with their finances right now. And I'm asking right now, Lord, that you would do something to remind them that you are high on the throne and that you, you see it all. You've got the cattle on a thousand hills, God. But Lord, would you talk to them about this area of their life to bring them into full maturity for who you are and for God's word. Lord, I ask right now that our church, which is such a generous church and such a healthy church in so many ways, but Lord, that there's people today that I, I really do believe that this message will change their life if it will get into their hearts. And so would you help them today? And we thank you for that. We look to you. We love you. I'm so grateful for every single person, Lord, that you brought into this place today. Please speak strength and hope and life to them. In fact, if you're in your family right now and you're walking through a storm, I just want you to know that God's got you. In fact, I just want to do this with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're walking through a situation in your life and you just need Jesus for whatever reason, would you let me know who I'm praying for today? Like, I just, I've got a need. Like, I'm dealing with something right now. Would you lift your hand? Hands going up all over this room today with people facing obstacles and circumstances and dealing with kids and facing things. Father, I pray for these people right now under the sound of my voice. I want you to hear me say this to you today. God's got you in the middle of your storm. He's standing with you and he is for you. He has not forgotten you. You're not alone. You're not going to walk through this alone. He's a God that provides. He's a God that stands with you. And I want, I want to speak to your faith today that it would be encouraged in Jesus. I want to speak to your faith today that God's got you in the middle of this place. He's going to see you through this. He's working all things for good for those who live according to his purposes. You're like, I don't see it as good right now to know that God's not done then. He's not done with this situation. He's not done with your family. He's not done with your finances. He's not done with your health. He's still working and you're going to see the goodness of God through this situation. So just hang on and trust him in the middle of it. Father, we look to you today and we trust you and we love you. Come on, tell him today. Say, I trust you right now, God. I look to you as my source of strength. You are my refuge in my time of trouble. Lord, I put my faith and my hope in you to sustain me this week. I feel the Lord saying to somebody today, like, you just need to hang on for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about a week from now. Just look to me right now in this moment, right now. I am the lifter of your head right now in this moment. Let the Holy Spirit speak his strength to you today. And we thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen and clap your hands all over the room today. Come on, church, can we stand to our feet today and just thank our pastor for that incredible message? Pastor Dusty, I want you to know, I've been in church for a long time, and that's one of the most brilliant messages I've ever heard on the subject of giving. So thank you very much. My wife and I, Carly and I, we are a testament to that goodness. It's never a question in our life, and it's never been an issue in our life. And come on, how many of y'all are like that today? We say, thank God for your provision, and uh, we're just so thankful for it. So. Listen, thank you for joining us here today. Like Pastor Dusty said, uh, if you'd like to give, you're welcome to it. We're not going to be passing buckets. You can give in the boxes on your way out or online at theheartlandchurch.com slash give. And uh, listen, you'll never go wrong just asking God what you should give. All right? Just ask God, and he'll take care of the rest. All right, everybody? Well, hey, I want to pray for you, and our, our team is going to worship you out of the doors today. And so let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Jesus, for your goodness and your faithfulness. And God, for whatever is given today, I pray that we could bless it and, and use it for the expansion of your kingdom, Lord Jesus. And so, God, we thank you, Lord, for the provision that's on our life, the blessing 
that's on our life, and that's all thanks to you, God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen, amen, and amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you guys next week. Dream.